day and welcome to Holding Fast. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. How is your anchor holding? Is it gripped firmly to the Word of God? Well, I've got my coffee here, my Bible open this morning, and taking the opportunity to do a little reading and wanted to share with you a thought today, maybe several thoughts from a passage of Scripture that people have encountered in their Bible reading lately, and I've gotten a lot of questions about. And so I figure if there's some that have a question, then there are probably many others that have been curious about this passage of Scripture as well. And so I thought I'd take a little time to deal with that in the podcast today. Uh, Now, this goes back a little bit into the book of Genesis. We're in our reading program coming to the end of Exodus. Uh, But I wanted to, uh, I've been promising to take care of this and to deal with it and uh, uh, comment on this passage for a while. And so I'm taking the chance to do it now in the podcast. So uh, if you do have a Bible available, or if you will recall, many of you are probably riding in your car or uh, uh, on your way somewhere anyway, uh, but you could uh, look this up in Genesis chapter 32. It's that passage of scripture where once again we're intertwined in the life of the man named Jacob, a man who, uh, if you had to describe his family, you, the word dysfunctional would be, would be a, an accurate word regarding his background and what he went through and all of his circumstances and how the Lord worked through that. You know, and I'm so glad that God works with dysfunctional families, aren't you? I'm so glad that he can glorify himself, even when our families and our our relative situations can be so confusing and, and dramatic and difficult to deal with. Knowing how to see your way through situations sometimes is, is very difficult. But I'm so glad that God in his sovereignty and his power can work through those things and still bring glory to himself. I guess the real challenge is that we would respond in a way that's Christ-like to those that are in our family saved or unsaved, and that we would make sure that in all we do, that our words and our attitudes and our our, our feelings are brought into conformity with the Bible. Uh, that's the only thing we can do. Uh, people are messy situations sometimes, and when it comes to families, that can be even more so. And you don't have to look any further in your Bible for an example than the life of Jacob. Uh, and the 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 uh, issue that I want to address today with in, in Jacob's life is the situation in chapter 32, where Jacob, of course, in his circumstances, has been estranged from Esau. He's actually afraid of Esau uh, because of his scheming, cheating, lying, manipulating <laughs> character uh, and, that caused him to have to leave his mother and father and Esau and uh, flee to the north. Uh, to his uh, near relatives there, uh, where he lived with Laban, and he had two wives there, and then began to grow his family. And all that time, he was much afraid of what Esau might do uh, in retaliation for how Jacob cheated him out of his birthright, and uh, certainly out of his prayer of blessing from his father. So, we find that Jacob has spent all those years there serving Laban, if you'll recall from your Bible reading, and when he did so, he uh, sensed that it was time to leave. He had gotten a dose of his own medicine by Laban, uh, his, uh, his uncle, and he, he had had a gullet full of it, and he knew by God that it was time for him to go back to where he was born and uh, to where uh, God wanted him to be. 
On the way down, once again, he's trying to scheme his own way and bribe Esau into leaving him alone, uh, or at least um, not uh, not destroying or taking back things that Esau probably thought were his or should have been his. Uh, and so Jacob on the way stops at a certain point, and again, I'm summing up a lot, a lot of scripture here, but stops at a certain point and begins to divide up his family and his goods and his, his, uh, his uh, flocks in order to send a gift to Esau to somehow uh, assuage his anger that Jacob perceives he still has. And as he does this, he finds himself alone near a brook after having sent his family and flocks ahead and his servants. And here's where we really come to uh, a time in Jacob's life, or at least a moment in, Jesus, in Jake, Jacob's life, where we find him uh, in, a, in a wrestling match, an all-night exhausting wrestling match. Um, and the question is often found when you when you read through that it's a it's a confusing trying to understand what was going on in this situation and how does that fit in with the Bible's revelation what is it teaching us what what's the meaning of Jacob's wrestling with God I guess is the question uh, and to answer that you can't do that without looking at among other things all the deep-seated hostilities and the, the 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 struggles that characterized all of Jacob's life. He was a determined man. There's no doubt about that. Uh, some would consider him to be very ruthless. There was a lot of scheming going on. He's a con artist. He's a liar. Uh, he's a manipulator. I mean, his name Jacob actually means not just deceiver. I mean, that's certainly part of it. But literally, it means one who grabs one who is a grabber, and that's what Jacob's name means. And to know the story of Joseph is to, excuse me, of Jacob, uh, is to know his life, and that it was one of never-ending drama and struggle uh, with his own flesh. He was literally constantly pulled by the cravings of his flesh, and he was willing to do whatever needed to be done to satisfy that. Uh, God was God was working with him, which is staggering in itself, and at the same time, a blessing to know that God is still willing to use people, but there has to come a point where there's a surrender in their life if he's going to continue to bless them and to draw them. God actually promised Jacob that through him would come not only a nation, but a whole, a whole a group of nations. Uh, he was a man that was full of fears. He had a lot of anxieties. You know, he had to keep score. He was constantly figuring in his mind. Um, but there was a pivotal point in his life. And I believe that the reason why this is in your Bible with Jacob wrestling with God here is to help us to understand that that's one thing to be confronted with your personality and your character. It's one thing to be overshadowed by your flesh and the constant pull to do what's wrong. It's one thing to do that. It's entirely, and, and to know God and to know that he's calling to you. But it's another thing to come to a point where you have an absolute surrender, uh, an absolute awareness of God's hand in your life. And I think sometimes it takes some some significant circumstances in order to bring somebody to that point. All of Jacob's struggles and fears were about to be realized. He was 
He was sick of his father-in-law's treatment. Uh, he was about to meet his brother who had actually vowed to kill him if he had a chance. Uh, he left Laban uh, and to encounter Esau and anxious for his very life, uh, his caravan comes down and begins to approach the river Jabbok. And so facing sure death, having all his possessions gone before him, he has nothing. He's there all alone in the desert wilderness. He was powerless at that point to control his faith, uh, his fate. Uh, he really came to the point where he was absolutely empty of any ability of his own to scheme his way. He was entirely dependent on what was going to happen. And he fell into a deep, uh, deep sleep on the banks of the river. Uh, and then the struggle began, uh, fleeing from his history and his family tragedies was one thing. Fleeing from God is something different. Uh, he then, uh, God himself, uh, in the form of an angelic stranger, this is probably a, the, a, a theophany. A theophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, who is very active in the Old Testament. Um, it, it, he begins to wrestle with this angelic stranger that comes into his camp when he's all alone. Uh, and they wrestled all night until daybreak, at which point the stranger crippled Jacob with uh, a blow to his hip that disabled him with a limp for the rest of his life. It was then that Jacob realized that he couldn't overpower this one, but he was not going to win. And then he discovered who it was. Genesis 32 and verse 30, the Bible says, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. In the process, Jacob received a new name. His name was Israel, which means one who fights with God or one who struggles with God. But what was most important was at the conclusion of that struggle, the Bible says in Genesis 32, 29, that God blessed him there. Well, in our world and our culture that we live in today, we, we celebrate wealth and power and strength and confidence and things of that nature. We despise weakness. Though we know that there's a measure of vulnerability and a fear, discouragement and depression come with normal living, we tend to view those things as a failure or a lack of faith. However, we also know that in real life, optimism and the glowing praises of glamour and success are a recipe for discontent and despair. Sooner or later, uh, the cold, hard realism of life catches up with us, and Jacob and his story kind of pulls us back to reality. Nobody I know hasn't at some point wrestled when they come before they come to Christ with very similar discouragements and fears and brokenness and seemingly pointlessness of their circumstances. They pour all their effort into living their life uh, in a way that they think is going to get them the most uh, material things or are going to give them the most praise. 
and they go through all the struggles of the powerlessness and the exhaustion and the finding out of the defeat and the relentless pain that comes along with it. Even the Apostle Paul himself in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 said, I'm, I'm harassed at every turn. I have conflicts on the outside. I have fears within. But God doesn't want to leave you there. And in the end, Jacob did what all we all have to do. We have to confront our weaknesses and our failures and our sins and everything that Jacob brought to this wrestling match, we all must struggle with. And he faces God in that all-night wrestling match. He wrestled with him. It must have been an exhausting struggle that literally at the end left him crippled. And it was only after he came to, to grips with God and who he is and stopped this struggling and realizing that I can't live this life, I am absolutely desperate and in despair. Uh, I need your blessing, God, or I won't be able to live. That's a remarkable incident in Jacob's life. It's something that happens spiritually, but you see it here, not just spiritually, but manifest physically as well. We learn that as believers, despite our trials, our tribulations, and our striving with this life, well, we're, we're never away from God's call and His presence. Life is messy. Life is chaotic oftentimes. Uh, and real growth comes only through struggle and pain. So Jacob's wrestling with God at the Jabbok River that night reminds us of this great truth that you can fight God and His will for you, uh, but God is so good that He'll wrestle with you uh, but by daybreak, if you'll give in to him, and if you will surrender to him, blessing will come. What are you struggling with today? What is it that weighs so heavy on you? How are your anxieties today? Your manipulation of your circumstances, your attempt to control what's going on. Uh, many people stumble and stagger along as a result of them trying to control all those things in their lives. What about you today? Have you surrendered to the Lord? Have you put things in His hand? Have you stopped your manipulating and let God win the battle? God bless you today. Walk with Christ. Serve Him with all.